Welcome to another episode of Civic Cypher. I am your host, Ramses Ja. Big shout out to Q Ward, who has taken the week off to do a bit of recovering. I won't put his business out there, but uh, everything is good in Q land. And we look forward to a speedy and safe return of him to the show um, very soon. Uh, this week, we have a lot for you to stick around for, not the least of which is a gentleman who is joining us now. Uh, he is someone that I met at a city council meeting. Um, we're electing a new city council person uh, in my district where I live. And he just had some really important things that he brought up in the uh, debate, I guess it would be called. And I thought of inviting him up on the show to talk to us today about you know, some of his policies and some of the things that I think uh, we need to discuss in this forum here. Um, he has led a billion plus dollar in technology uh, and transformational <laughs> initiatives. Um, he's also been an advisor to many of this country's most successful corporations. Uh, and of course, again, he's now running for city council in District 6 in Phoenix. We have Harry Curtin with us today. Thank you for joining Thank us. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yes, sir. And then, of course, we have a lot more to stick around for as well. Um, we are going to be discussing uh, Benjamin Banneker for our Way Black History Fact. We're also going to be talking about how you can become a better ally. There is uh, a lot going on with uh, Alabama and uh, the way that their district lines are drawn for voting. Um, a lot of folks feel like they are trying to weaken the black vote. And there's a lot of eyes on that. And there are a lot of national implications for that. So we're going to break that down for you as well. So that and of course, plenty more to stick around for on uh, today's episode of Civic Cipher. But first and foremost, like we always do right around now, I'd like to start us off with some Ebony Excellence. Uh, so this week's Ebony Excellence is sponsored by Let's Keep Growing Hair Care Products. They make organic hair and hair care and growth products, which are available through Walmart and, of course, letskeepgrowing.com. Um, and I'd like to take this week's Ebony Excellence. Normally, I pull a story from somewhere really cool and I share it with you, but this one is a little bit more personal. It's a little closer to home. Uh, a gentleman I know by the name of Iron Dan Daniels, a.k.a. Rockadala. And I want to shout him out uh, because he recently released a feature film. It's called The Unhitched King. And uh, he is an example of a person who came up through adversity um, and has a, we'll call it a street level story. But over the past several years, he's focused on his passion for filmmaking. And uh, the most recent result of his efforts is called The Unhitched King. So it's really uh, special to see someone start from where he started and now has uh, a film in movie theaters that you and I can go and see. Um, again, it's the, the culmination of a years long effort and it's a, a comedy. It's hilarious and inspirational. And of course, he's an example of exactly what a person can do with their life, despite the many challenges of their youth to rise above and become a master of their craft and ultimately make a national splash. I'm very proud of Iron Daniels. We all are. Um, we know him as IROC. We know him as Rockadalo. He has uh, many names uh, in where I live. Um, but now that he's on a national scene, we have to call him Iron Daniels. So we will do just that. But again, we're very proud of him and we implore you to go check out his movie. I'm sure you'll love it. Uh, and if you can't make it to a theater near you that's carrying the film, uh, bear in mind that it will be making its way to streaming platforms nationwide after its theatrical run. So that for this week 
is a more personalized ebony excellence. And once again, shout out to our sponsor. Let's keep growing hair care again. Let's keep growing.com. Now, Harry Curtin is with us today. <laughs> Glad to be here. Yes, sir. Um, so let me tell a little bit more about the story. Yeah, please. Yeah. So I was invited to uh, the the meeting. I, I, we have a, a current city council person in my district, and he has termed, meaning that he cannot run again because of term right. limits. Yep. And so I believe there were six people on a stage. Um, I was invited to this event by one of my neighbors yep. um, who knew I was politically active. And of course that I host this show. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, her name is Nikki. So shout out to Nikki. She's a listener of the show as well. Um, she invited me here. I'd never been to something like this. And of course I'm sitting and I'm listening to everyone. And I, very early on realized that I was one of two black people in the room, one of whom was on the stage. Yeah. Uh, but the only one from the community sitting there and listening for, obviously there are things that affect our community, but there are other things that affect black people specifically that, and, and brown people, yeah. um, and they don't affect other folks. And so I was listening with that ear because a lot of times, and as I could see, those ears weren't present in that room. Those mm -hmm. questions would not, could not be asked no. with any authenticity mm -hmm. because um, there would not be any lived experience underneath systemic or oppressive systems or whatever, invisible or otherwise. Sure. And so um, listening to this panel of six people who all are very eloquent, um, very well-versed, uh, understand sort of what the needs of the city are, um, one person stood out to me as being um, empathetic and really addressing things on a human level. There was a person who was really technically like, you know, we're going to get business and business is going to do great. Mm -hmm. And that's that's all well and good. And there's another person we need to be safe and you know, we need to our first responders. And of course, that's all well and good. Other folks mm -hmm. were, you know, about water and other folks, you know, they have everyone, teachers. All of these things are necessary. We're human yeah. beings. This is the way our society works. This is how we grow and prosper and thrive as a society. But um, I think that the thing that stood out to me was the, the individual I found myself listening to had more to say about how individual human beings are affected by different things and how, uh, experiences might be different. And when we start there, we can develop policy that has a real, um, impact and really feels like it resonates with folks. And that person, of course, was you I appreciate that yes sir speaking from my heart that's yeah for sure. yeah so yeah. let's so i that's yeah. how i got to meet you but i don't yeah. know your story and our listeners of course don't know your yeah. story let's talk a little bit about your background sort of what led you to yeah no i appreciate it i think just to kind of get on top of that i think um for me it's a revolution of being human mm. you know getting back to the truth and i think we just get farther and farther from the truth in politics. And one of the reasons why I wanted to run, but you know, it's always important. I like to tell my story and why, why, why am I doing this? You know, Please, it's, yeah. just, it's just such an odd thing to run. Everyone's afraid of it right now and they have good reason to be, you sure, know, sure. for me, it's really been a long story. I mean, for probably 10 years, I've been thinking about it, okay. like how, you know, and I've gone through an evolution of that process and thinking about it. Sure. You know, I think 10 years ago, I thought, well, that's what you do. You go run for office. And then as I grew up more and more, I realized, well, I think I just want to help people. Mm -hmm. 
And in business, I found that the things I love the most, you know, you mentioned some of the things I've done and I've really been instrumental in really large scale projects sure. and things that have really made a difference. Some billions of dollars of loans for people that couldn't, they couldn't get loans before. There's all sorts of areas I've worked that have been really special to me and powerful, but sometimes it feels like I'm just making a lot of people money mm-hmm. and I haven't really gotten to the root of helping people the way I want. Okay. And, but that took me years, you know, to kind of go through this process. And eventually I got to, okay, well, the city council position, you know, legislature can be really noisy. There's a lot of members, but in your city council, there's a small group of, of members making big decisions in Phoenix. You've got, you know, billion, $1.6 billion budget plus that are decided by eight people plus a mayor. Mm-hmm. That's your city. You know, that's police, fire, that's streets. That's this is what you see every day. Right. And so I said, well, that's something I could maybe get my handle on. You know, I've got a grip on that. I can I can work with the people with a small group of people and get some things done. I see it. You know, I see a connection. I think I also saw that Phoenix isn't too far gone. You know, I think some cities are so old. I grew up in Buffalo, New York. It's so bureaucratic. It's so slow. Sure. I don't know if I can fix anything there, you know, yeah. but this is still a young city. We have good infrastructure. We did things right from the beginning, but we're just starting to slip. It's like everything's getting slower and more bureaucratic and more about politics and decisions. And every city does that. What about if we're not that way? Mm. You know, so that's part of the reason it it, um, I came here. But one of the cores for me too was not only my kind of business, I think, experience and knowing that I could solve big problems Mm. was growing up as a kid. Yeah. um, You know, I grew up. It was hard for me. I grew up, uh, my mom was severely mentally ill. She's still institutionalized right now. Been in uh, institutions my whole life. Bipolar, manic depressive, uh, very intelligent woman, uh, very capable, but this disease has really overtaken her. And my father, very nice man, but severe alcoholic and always brought us really financial burden because of that, you know, power going out, a lot of government cheese, Mm -hmm. you know, I lost my sister in the mid eighties, my oldest sister, through terrible um, rape and murder that ended up being national news. The guy ended up going on the road and we had police protecting our home Mm. and it was really intense. And I really ran out of there as soon as I could. I got on a motorcycle when I was 18. I ran Mm -hmm. for the West coast because it was as far as I could go from all these memories and really started to pick myself up and work and get a job, get two jobs, get three jobs, and then start to just forget about that past. And I think now I'm at a point in my life I've got some skills. Well, I don't want kids to go through what I went through. Okay. So maybe I can put those skills to work. Sure. You know, so. Sure. No, I I love that. Um, And I think it's important that um, people listen to stories like this. Obviously, you know, we're, we're listening to around the country. Yeah. But, you know, the fact that you said, you know, this is a place where I feel like I can make some changes. I can, you know, make a splash, make an impact. um, And are doing just that. I think that's something that, a lot of people can relate to, especially after the past couple of years, there's been um, a growing divide uh, ide- ideologically, politically, yeah. um, in terms of morals and values and things like this. Um, I, I remember, I'm 40 years old now, so I yeah. remember once upon a time that for the most part, everyone kind of was pointed at the same outcomes hoping for the same outcomes yeah. just had different paths yeah, getting yeah. There. i know what connected my speech now when you say that point sure sure exactly <laughs> we'll but get to now it. now yeah. uh it feels as like we can't even agree on what a shared reality is yes. it's like one of us is subscribing to 
a, a vivid and tactile reality. Totally. Um, and the other group is imagining uh, their world as a separate independent thing that, yeah. you know, it, it just, it's a little weird. And so, no, I think politicians are dividing us, not bringing us together. Yeah. This yeah, is this the reason is- I'm really doing this. Mm-hmm. I just think it's broken. You know, sure. they don't have to, when I get down to it, man, I got friends that are Republicans, Democrats on far sides. Mm-hmm. You just talk as people. You find you agree, a lot man. more. Yeah, yeah you want the same sure. things. You want safety in schools. You want all these things we want, but we politicians continue to just rip us apart. Mm-hmm. It's just not right. Yeah. And I, it's a it's a main reason I'm driving at this and trying to make it more human. You know, telling my story. I have a passion for fixing problems. I have a passion for people. That's why I'm here. I want. I want. I hope that message picks up. You know, whatever yeah. happens with this, I hope somebody steals it. <laughs> you know, and we kind of. Because I can't just sit back. Yeah, yeah. You know? I know exactly yeah. what you mean. And 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 to your point, you know, there was, um, I had a conversation the other day with a gentleman named uh, Rodney Glassman. Rodney yeah. Glassman yeah. was running for, I believe it was attorney general. Mm-hmm. And um, he is a far right leaning yep. um, individual. I wouldn't call him far right, but, you know, yeah. solidly uh, Republican. And of course, I have a little bit more of a liberal philosophy sure. yeah. when it comes to um, how to govern. Yeah, a group of people. Yeah, and um, you know, we ended up just talking. Just we ended up meeting, just randomly on the street, and we <laughs> did, he, he took a liking to me, and I, you yeah. know, he's telling me about his story. I'm telling him about mine, yeah. and again, we had a lot in common. So it was really interesting to see, you know, me, this tattooed, you know, um, younger looking sort of uh, individual who yeah. clearly doesn't come from the means that this man yeah, comes yeah. from. Yeah. Just having a, a really Rodney cool, six foot five, yeah, dark suit, red yeah, tie. That's him. That's wearing, him. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, you know, um, and I'm five eight, you know, on a good day. <laughs> you know, I mean we're just different yeah. people, but yeah. you know, he loves his children. You yeah. know, I love my sons. We talked about that, schools, you know, things like this. Yeah. And it wasn't even a political conversation, it was a human conversation. You would have never he he didn't lead with his politics, and nor did I. We just two were two people that met. I was familiar with him. Yeah. And then as it turned out, he had heard of me from being on the radio for such a long time. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm familiar. And, yeah. You know, so um, I'm, I'm glad you made that point. Uh, so let's do this. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. I'm yeah. I'm newer to the political arena. Me too. In, in brief. <laughs> well, you may know the answer to this I better than so. I do. Yeah. Uh, in brief, let's describe what a city council person does. Yeah. 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 So the city council is responsible for your police, mm-hmm. your fire, mm-hmm. zoning. Okay, and we'll talk about that because mm-hmm. um, it's an important topic. Uh, it's picking up your trash. It's potholes. Mm. You know, it's all these little things we usually take for granted every day, but they can have an impact and and all their larger scale things, but maybe smaller like environment, et cetera, maybe water. You can do some things, but you're really police fire zoning is and from what I've seen is really the core of this and the potholes yeah. and the trash pickup, okay. you know, but you try to kind of influence as much as you can in areas that maybe or more state, federal. Okay, yeah. understood, understood. So um, you mentioned uh, zoning and it seemed like you wanted to get into that. Let's do it right now while we're here. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, so zoning is a really interesting topic because it's not talked about a lot. Sometimes it is, but there is a, I'm just going to say it, there's an inherent racism in zoning. I mean, there just is. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, but it's not talked about, you know, that didn't yeah. come up. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it would ever come up. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. a pretty, it's it's a tough thing for people to handle. But yeah. 
this is what's been going on. And part of what I've, and I've learned that through this process, you know, what's been really interesting is that people that are in the development space, sometimes, you know, why they, you know, a lot of times, but they know that that's part of the problem. Like they can't get projects done because of these frameworks that were set up a long time ago and they want to, they want to sell housing. They want to make it affordable. You know, that's good business. Sure. Sure. But yeah. You know, something that I realized is that, uh, a lot of people that end up benefiting from, let's call it racist, a racist framework yeah. um, that has its roots in a racist past that historically was discriminatory or whatever. Yeah. Um, pick, pick your poison for yeah. this one. Yeah. A lot of the people that benefit from it or further it mm-hmm. um, do so because uh, they are unaware of the history the legacy they're Mm -hmm. unaware of the profound implications Mm -hmm. on people that don't look like them they lack the frame of reference the personal experience or access to conversations to even always wealthy never be anything about wealthy but watch this watch this so on this show of course we reckon those folks our brothers and sisters the same as anyone else we recognize that they just lack the perspective but they often have the power and Hmm. the what we what we've learned in our travels here is that uh white supremacist institutions Mm -hmm. visible or invisible Mm -hmm. uh push back against change this is how they Mm -hmm. were designed to you know and then it's just human nature i don't want to blame any person um on an individual level it's human nature i imagine any group of human beings that were sometimes what you learn sometimes what you went exactly, through exactly. sometimes an experience you had that exactly. impacted and hasn't given you an opportunity to rethink that exactly situation. and then you know i you know it's really easy for folks to look at it and say well these folks lack empathy i'll be i'll be honest i've i've thought that at different points in my life too mm-hmm. and i think in my clearer moments uh or my moments of clarity i should say um i have realize that you know these folks aren't inherently bad they're doing what human beings would do it's kind of like absolute power mm-hmm. corrupts absolutely yeah, yeah um and so we have to they have to be given the breadth yeah. to change and the and the the latitude to you know uh evolve yeah otherwise it's just a war else. it's right. just a war so yeah. i wanted to make yeah. sure that i said that yeah, before yeah. we we got past it so you. you know i realized that but um regardless of what the outcomes are yeah you know this is what our charges for anyone who has any power and lacks uh perspective love's so, a powerful thing man yeah yeah you know? and i think it, I, i'm i'm one of those people <laughs> it's a lot so. easier to be angry you sure, know sure, i've been sure, there sure. it never really did me much good you know, i clean things up more than I did anything you know <laughs> sure, but love sure. kind of makes things a little easier sometimes, yeah this, you know? exactly yeah. exactly man so um so how about this yeah Obviously, I need to ask you this question, um, but let's make sure that our folks outside of Arizona yeah. can get some perspective as yeah, well. Um, specifically, what would you bring to your role as city councilman in yeah. Phoenix? Yeah. And uh, what do you th- see as perhaps issues that affect the country as a whole that could be addressed on, let's say, that level? Yeah. Yeah. So I think so. I'll start with me kind of where my difference is. I think. We're heading into a pretty heavy economic storm. Okay. I'm a wartime consigliere. I am someone that solves big problems when S hits the fan. Okay. I mean, this is what I do. I do it through diligence. I I just don't give up until the problem solved. I love solving problems. This is my difference. And I'm not, 
I'm not doing this because I want to be a career politician. Mm-hmm. You know, this, I don't know what my future is. I, I just know I'm good at solving problems yeah. and I won't give up. I mean, part of that is a fear. I fear that a little bit because I'm wondering what's coming for me. If I get this opportunity, I'm going to be changing things. Yeah. Maybe drastically. Sure. You know, what does that mean? How are they, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy to do that in a, in a place where it's not used to changing. Right. But I think for me, that's really my biggest asset is being able to get into these problems. And it's funny when you see a big problem, what people think is causing it is usually wrong yeah. when you get into the facts, right? Okay. If you really spend the time, you can find out what's really causing it and you can come back and actually address the problem. And we can talk about some problems. I don't want to get too far off, but maybe homeless or police and yeah, yeah, talk about those are, yeah. Um, yeah well, well, listen, uh, it, 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 well, how about this? Let's, police is national. That's something we could talk about too. Yeah, yeah. of course. Of yep. course. Well, do you know we we're going to talk <laughs> about that? <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, let's, let's take a moment. Let's talk yeah. about, let's say homelessness, you know, yeah, um, this is something that is, is, it affects us here in, in Phoenix and, it you is. know, California has a, a problem with yep. it. And then of just, of course, housing prices around the country, yeah. Yeah. um, have gone way up and homes, uh, home prices haven't kept up with wages, of course, yep. graduation, yep. um, uh, the the cost that it takes to go to school and graduate means folks are saddled with debt. Yep. And there's just kind of this whole backwards thing where if you look back, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, it wasn't that way. Folks could really get out there and make something of themselves. And so, yeah, let's talk about, yeah. you know, let's, you said homelessness. So let's talk home- about- yeah. That's, so that one's really close to me. I, again, that's why I like to talk about my background because mm-hmm. then it kind of connects the dots. Sure, why I'm yeah. emotionally tied to these problems. But Please. so the homeless problem in Phoenix really four or five years ago wasn't really that noticeable. You okay. know, you always had a little bit of it. It has changed dramatically, okay. dramatically. All right. All through the city. And I, you know, I can't speak for other cities, but I'm sure they're experiencing some of that same mm-hmm. thing as well. LA's always had it. San Francisco, we always knew there. Those have gotten worse. We we didn't really have it. Now we got a problem. Mm-hmm. The main problem with the homeless and, and how we're not really addressing it properly is one, we're not owning the problem. So owning the problem is knowing how many homeless you have in your city, having okay. accurate information, data about how many homeless you have. Sure. Right. The city isn't taking leadership role to say, okay, we're going to set up stations around the city, you know, get offer food, water, whatever it may be. So we continually kind of collect this data, know how many people we have. If we don't know how many people we have, how do we solve the problem? Right. Right. Okay. So then once you have the data, you break it down really into three buckets that you're dealing with in the homeless situation, dealing with severely mentally ill. Mm-hmm which is actually from all the experts I talked to is a bulk of the problem. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that's the bulk of the problem is that 90% of our uh, mental and psychiatric hospitals have been closed in the last 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. We pushed them all on the street. Okay. okay. This was a Reagan era policy and that essentially has carried on. Uh, the next thing we're dealing with is addiction. People don't understand always addiction, man. Sometimes these kids are coming off of good homes. They bounce around couches, they stole, and then they ended up on the street. Now they're near their dealer. Right. It's not always lower income. These kids are coming from all over the place, but you've got addiction. And then you have people that have fallen on hard times. Now, those are three buckets. Once I have an accurate count of what we're dealing with, I can then put a solution in place. Right. I can expand psychiatric hospitals, addiction facilities. I was at a uh, woman's recovery uh, facility a couple of years ago or a couple of weeks ago, excuse me. And there was a woman there that 30 years she was on off the street. I mean, drugs. She came from a good home. Just things didn't work, you know, just spiraled out of control mm-hmm. on the streets, heroin, you name it. Two years in this facility. She has a home. She has a job. She, we saved a life. Mm-hmm. And right now we're spending money. This city, I mean, it's been documented 40 or 50,000 per homeless. I'm hearing experts saying 80,000 
for homeless. And that's because police, fire response, hospitals, all this stuff adds up. Man, that's all the services, two yeah. grand every time somebody shows up. Yeah. You know, somebody said 20 grand, I think, when we were speaking, and that's just way off, right? Yeah. So we're spending money. Let's put it towards a solution that works, right? And then, so the third bucket is that housing. We've got to get building housing. We're just not doing it, right? Sure. It's too slow. It's too political. And those people, those people's problems are a little easier to solve, you know, but we need those three buckets. We then need to provide the right solutions to then solve it. And we can make a real dent. I'm not saying wipe it out completely, but man, we can hit it. You know, money is being spent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you this, um, you know, uh, low cost housing obviously is something that a lot of folks don't want to touch it, but I want to talk. There's, about that. there's, yeah. there is a, an approach to it, and yeah. on this show, we we famously um, Q and I, my my co-host and I, we uh, spent ten years uh, on the streets of Phoenix, actually feeding the homeless through our nonprofit called oh. the Change Society, and we fed folks out of uh, uh, Monarch Theater. Yeah, and um, we partnered with Cass and the, yeah. the uh, Midwest yeah. Food Bank and so forth. So this is obviously something that that we know. Very well. And yeah. uh, just glad that you have a, a plan for that. So we will definitely talk about that uh, more on the second half of the show. 